You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. All right, all right. Let's give a round of applause. It's a lot of fun. Good morning, good morning. Uh, Good job, good job, church. It's been a joy serving you. Um, I am so excited about today. Today we're celebrating uh, the 10-year anniversary, the birthday of the church. So grateful for you. What a joy it is going to be this morning. I want to invite up my brother uh, and uh, Pastor David and Pastor Jonathan to join us. We're going to tell you some stories and have a great time this morning. So uh, give Joshua a big round of applause for that new song. That's fun. Kind of the beginning of North Valley music, so that's a lot of fun. That was a dream of ours to do that, so great job, Pastor Josh and the team. Okay, so I get accused sometimes I never keep the services the same, so don't expect what happened in first service. It's all right. Okay, so we're going to have fun this morning. I forgot my mic. Sorry, you forgot guys. your mic. Okay, so this is Jonathan. Everybody say hi, Jonathan. <laughs> and this is David, Duck Dynasty. Yeah. All right. So, so great to have you guys here. I love these men. They're, they're so special to me. So um, I'll be formal real quick, but uh, Jonathan Meredith, you guys have been married uh, 18 years. It's so incredible. You have Luke, 14, Natalie, 12, Nathan, 10. Uh, what a wonderful family. Yes. Um, August 2011, you came out here. You answered the call. June 8, 2018, seven years of ministry. Awesome. So thank you for serving and helping us get this, this wonderful church going. And then David, you and Micah, um, 15 years of marriage. Prairie is 11. Oh, my goodness. Wilder, love the name, nine years old. August 7, Eli. Isla, of course I know that. Yes, I should know that. Isla Sage, she's three years old, fall of 2010 uh, to May of 2013. So it's been a run. Yeah. You were the first person I called uh, to come out and start the church. Uh, thank you for doing that. So let's start fun. I want to hear just from you guys, keep everybody moving and grooving and have a good time. What's kind of a fun story? I'm going to put you on the spot, David. You'd be good. Why don't you tell them the communion story? This is a blooper. Don't tell yeah. anybody about this. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you can tell. I, I, can, I, I had to tell, I had to ask you after you did communion so they yeah. wouldn't think less of you. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I was, I was uh, 2010 to 13, I was serving as a community pastor here. So I was often doing the communion and all that. Uh, one day, it was when we were pretty fresh and new in the church, the Presbyterian church, we were subleasing in the afternoons. I was up front doing communion just like I was a few minutes ago. This, this was a day of redemption for you. Yeah. yeah, and I see Ryan, and he's in the back. and Balcony. He's in the balcony, that, you know. So anyways, I'm nervous, I'm sure, or whatever, and just insecure of how I'm doing this thing. And Ryan's in the back, and he's going, it's down. It's down. And I'm like... Oh my gosh, my zipper is down. (laughs) And so I'm like just getting started, you know, but then studying on like how to do this communion thing. I'm giving you room to to show off. You you You, you keep going. You saw the pictures of me standing with that ESV study Bible. I'm sure I was like somewhere in there. 
And anyway, so I, I just start like doing this and like start putting on like a, a little show almost, I'm sure. I'm like, Ryan's going, it's down. Oh, no, it's down. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And somehow, I don't remember, but I got through it and I was just like, okay, Lord Jesus, thank you. Amen. And I'm out. And I'm like, walking off stage like that. And then I'm like, afterwards, like, so I check and I'm like, kind of, you know, just like check. I'm like, my zipper's not down. What in the heck was he talking about? <laughs> and I just did this dance up there. And so afterwards, uh, you know, I'm like, dude, what was going on? And he's like, dude, everybody was standing up and I was telling you to have them sit down, sit down. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. Every, and every, then, and everybody, somebody, came, everybody came up to me and said, hey, man, your brother was doing the pee-pee dance. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, I know. Uh, it, we got to work on that. Uh, thankfully, I spared you of that today, I believe. Yeah. And then, uh, literally, I think there's probably all those people left our church after that. Oh, I'm sure they did. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was funny though. That was that was definitely goes down in the archives of stories. That was awesome. So, <laughs> good times. All right, Jonathan, you're up, buddy. I don't have a dance story. No, you don't. No, no you don't. But that's okay. We've oh, got man. a. We can. Uh, why don't we tell the progression of getting it over to Harkins? Yeah. So you know the the history of the church. We st- we were we started apartment ministry, moved to house ministry, then at Crosswind subleasing from a Presbyterian church, and then we launched a grand opening at Barry Goldwater High School. And so just every stage is fun. We're trying to grow. We're trying to grow. Um, and so then we moved into Harkins Movie Theater, right, right over here Woo-hoo! at Norterra. I mean, this is a, a lot nice, of fun. yeah, a lot of fun, very nice. And I mean, God granted us uh, favor with them just to take on a church. I mean, it's not good business for them to have churches there necessarily. So anyway, no. we're trying to grow, growth, growth, growth. Let's grow. So we just decided to do it in unconventional ways. And uh, one uh, Meredith, my wife, ran children's ministry. And so, man, if you, some of you have been there, right, and, and helping do setup, and we rolled in a 32-foot cargo trailer. The entire church fit in it, and we rolled carts off. We rolled in. We set everything up. I mean, those interlocking squares for children's ministry, just crazy. But Meredith did it. She, she organized, structured. The whole thing had a volunteer team. They were commando. I mean, I don't know if the military has anything on what church planners to have. Yeah. So we're rolling in, and she came to me one day. She's like, there was a mouse, and it got out of the cart. So we're like in a movie theater, like running the aisles, trying to chase this thing down, and it disappears behind uh, the curtain. And we just said, "Hey, we got to do church, so let's go." <laughs> Keep moving, baby. Keep moving. Yeah. So next week, uh, the same thing happened, except it wasn't one mouse. It was like two or three. I don't remember how many popped out, but I mean, these things like popped out. And we're like, this is Norterra, guys. None of y'all want mice in your home, and we are renting from the movie theater, so we're growing through mice, and we just blessed. <laughs> Harkins, so if you go in there, you feel a little scurry. We did that. Hey, guys, we did that. We're leaving. We're transforming the North Valley. We found out that uh, rats, we had a a pickup truck. Rats built a nest in the uh, engine block of the pickup truck because it was warm in there. And then, uh, if you know children's ministry, you got to feed them snacks and so we had a buffet. We had a buffet of goldfish for those mice. I mean, they were eating good. I mean, when they didn't come out like they came out like rat size yeah. mice. So yeah, we uh, we don't talk about the, that either. So don't go say North Valley gave mice to Harkins. They right. don't know that yet. Yeah, 
Mr. Harkins actually was really cool because uh, we needed to we needed to expand our space, and we wrote him a letter for Christmas, and asked him if he would allow us to run two services for the same price, basically, as the first service because the cost goes so high. At one time, we had three or four movie theaters. We rented out Elevate Coffee Company, and we had mortgage payments on this property. Like it was like. Oh, Lord Jesus, how is this all going to work? I mean, there was a day we were driving the loop. Tell them about that. When That's we right. got uh, told we were going to come up with $50,000 yeah, overnight. Yeah, there were just moments where there was absolutely no way that what needed to happen was going to happen outside of the Lord's provision. But even, you know, you want to count on it, but you don't know how to count on that. Mm. And uh, when, you know, I ran spreadsheets and there's no block in the formula for like God. That's not in there. Um, but anyway, there were just moments. And so I remember Ryan and I were leaving this property. We making went the on loop, here, baby. Yeah, up to making the loop. And making the loop. And it was like those old, those old, any of you were old uh, PC gamers, you know those, those games where it's like this dark cloud and you just sort of navigated and then it opened up as you got there. Well, that thing was closing in. I mean, it was just darkness was closing over my eyes. Like I could not see how we were going to do anything. The whole vision was was just, just crumbling down. In. Yeah. It was, and it was around us. And we felt, you know, uh, we have families. Our, our family's sustainability is at stake, and how are we going to do this and all this money? And I, I mean, my mind was just running. And Ryan's in the, in the car with me. He's just like, it'll be all right. I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, on the spreadsheet, we're going into the red. I, let me explain what that means. Like, it's not a good thing. We have all, all these bills. <laughs> are coming to you. you just don't understand. He's just like, hey, it's cool. We'll, we'll, Jesus, right? we'll yeah. figure it out. We'll figure it out. I was like, uh, again, Ryan, like, Excel does not have a God formula. So, um, but it does. It does. God just doesn't work in Excel. He just works through you guys. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, just those moments where the mm. vision seemed unattainable, mm. and then God shows up. I think, you know, for me, you need to know, um, I almost quit. It was about a year and a half, two years in, and um, I was helping, I had to help Jonathan move here, he and his wife, and I was, thought I was he-man. Um, I th and I thought, I don't remember what I was doing, but I decided to try to get the fridge out of the U-Haul. You guys were moving in up there at Tremonto. And uh, I bent down, and Meredith was right behind me. And I was like, she's like, you might need a little help. I'm like, no, I got it. Sure enough, I bend down, and then like <laughs> my back end comes like the, the, my pants ripped wide open. She's like, let me go get Leslie real quick. Because, <laughs> I mean, like I had no spare pants with me. So um, she's like, sweetie, this is not good, you know. So anyway, I ended up hurting my back. At that same time, uh, we were fostering to adopt. I also bought a, two bird dogs. I was supposed to get one, but I had to get two. One of them attacked my little girl. Um, I was scared to death we were going to be sued by the state because she was property of the state. I had a lawsuit in my mind going on. The church wasn't going where I had hoped it would go. Um, these guys loved me and loved Jesus and loved the church. And they just said, don't, we're not giving up. There's no way. Um, money was tight. There was challenges. And I would say if it weren't for these two men beside me, there was times, I don't know if you've ever been there before, but there was literally about a two, three week period uh, at least where I did not even want to get out of bed. I was depressed. Have you ever been there before where you don't even want to get out of bed? That is not Ryan Rice. That's not a normal, healthy Ryan Rice. And uh, I just wanted out, man. I wanted out. And these guys stood beside me and said, no way. No matter how hard it gets, we're called to this. 
So let's talk about that calling and how important that is, and then we'll close up. But go for it. Sure, I'll kick off. Um, Meredith and I met Ryan and Leslie when we were at Dallas Seminary. And um, so at part of that time, we, we just kind of map out what we think God's doing with our life. And so we knew their story. We knew kind of the trajectory they were on. And, and the Lord gave us a trajectory. We were in Dallas, but we believe we were going down to Guatemala and we were going to be missionaries serving overseas down there. And um, we fast forwarded a little bit and they, they moved off out of Dallas to Arkansas and were in a residency program. And so we were just tracking with them on their story. And at one point I was having a conversation with Ryan and he, he just kind of dropped a bomb, but he, you know, he just moved on real swiftly. He's like, yeah, so I, you know, I think as the team forms and we move out there, you guys will be a part of it. Okay, no. Uh, let's just go back over, like, your trajectory's here, ours is here. Okay, great. So we just kept in contact, and, and he, they, it was fun just hearing the vision. It was solidifying, and there were people, and there was a place, and all of that was kind of falling in, into, into the uh, equation, so to speak. Um, well, one day I get a call from Ryan, and uh, he said, Hey, Jonathan, I'm just real excited. Let, let's go grab lunch together. And I thought, um, I think you're in Arkansas. Uh, virtual lunch? Cool. And no, man, I'm like 30 minutes down the road. And uh, so let's meet up at the Sonic just up the road and, and we'll do lunch. And I turned to Mary and said, he's like in town. Did you know? I didn't know. Did you know? No, none of us knew. He's here. And Ryan shows up with a laptop and PowerPoint presentation ready to go. Uh, and it hey, was... It took, it's, if I'm creating a PowerPoint presentation, by golly, you're going to have to serious, see it. It's serious, guys. It's yeah. serious. Just know. It's serious. So he shows up and he, he just launches in. It was almost, it was a little awkward. I mean, we're friends, a little awkward. He like launches into a PowerPoint presentation of the vision of the church plant. And I'm Sonic, going, at Sonic, at breakfast Sonic, burritos, baby. Breakfast, it, I got a free meal out of it. He did yes. pay. It was cool. Um, and I thought, wow, you don't realize you've already told me this. I know this. And he, the, it was an invitation. Actually, it was more of a, like, you guys are coming. Like, you're, you're going to be a part of this. You're on the team. And I love him. So I told him no. I said, no, <laughs> we're not doing that. And um, went back. He, he came over to the house, and we, we enjoyed some time together. You want to tell him what I said when I walked in your house? That was so... Guys, where all my gentlemen. Help me, Jesus. Gentlemen. He walks into the house. <laughs> this is the house that Meredith and I bought, our first house. And uh, we just, like, our oldest, Luke... Like, we're, yeah, and so we have kids. Like, this is, wives, you guys know, like, this is the home nest. This is precious. And Ryan's like, yep. Oh, yeah, you could sell this real quick, real quick. This will go. <laughs> <laughs> Meredith is floored over there going, he just told me to sell my house. <laughs> but he was seeing something down the road. He was I seeing did. something down the road. And God, God moved like I God did. always does. And so our hearts were on a trajectory. God closed those doors down. But as he was closing the doors down, he had opened up a new trajectory for us, a new vision, a new connection uh, with Ryan and Leslie. And, and we didn't even know David and Mike at the time. But just bringing our, our, uh, our lives' journeys to cross yet again. And uh, so then I had to do the humble thing of calling back one day. And I said... Um, Yes, I think, like three no's, but here comes our yes. Yeah. So we joined on. It was a joy, and I really did feel that in my heart, you know, Jonathan was our spiritual formation leader, and I just, I knew that it was going to be a battle. Most church planners fail, and I didn't want to go west, leave my family and all my friends and everything I knew. We didn't know one single person in Phoenix, not one. 
And uh, I just said, Jonathan, I really believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ has planned this. And I just need you to come with me. <laughs> and he said, finally, I believe that's true and I'll do it. And uh, that was amazing. So thank you, buddy. Love you. Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad you said yes. Thank you yeah. so much. All right. David, first call, call you. As soon as I became a Christian, I called you. I was 18, and then you were 16, and I told you I met Jesus Christ. My life's changed, and together we did ministry like crazy and had so much fun. And then you moved to Montana. I was in Arkansas finishing my residency. I did a Bible study about how the, the brothers start following Jesus. And I said, David, I think God wants us to do this. So why don't you tell your story? Yeah, but I was living in Montana with my new wife, and we were loving it, and he wanted us to move to Phoenix, Arizona. I was like, yeah, go take a hike. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're, we're up here in the land of milk and honey, and you want us to come down to Nineveh or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, you know... It was neat. It was neat. You know, it, it just makes me think of the story of Jonah. Like that, that, first, that, that first little revival broke out on the boat when he, when he first came to really agree to seek a change in his heart and repentance. And I, I, I think there was, this is the first time I ever thought about this, but I think there was something in our hearts that needed to say yes to something that didn't really align with our personal vision. Mm. You know, because so, we were in... in Montana and it was awesome and we're newlyweds and we were serving the church up there. I mean, we were working in a church, but, um, but there was a little bit of that Jonah spirit, I mm. think. And, um, but man, when you, when you agree, when you're in agreement with the Lord's promises, mm. Mm. I mean, that's what you're created for. Really, I mean, that's what we are created for is to give glory to the Lord and mm. tell other people about it mm. and let him uh, save. And so we saw that all of a sudden it was like, like Jonathan said, it was like, okay, you've told me this time and time again over the last several months, but okay, we're going and we're coming. I couldn't and, believe it. I was like, wow, I'm flying to Montana to be with you. Yeah. And we all drove down together and Micah and I were telling this story last night. Micah said, like, when we were coming down the 17, you know, like, wow, you know, Flagstaff's freaking awesome. That's sweet. And all of a sudden, like, we're coming down through this valley, and then we see this, like, uranium glow. <laughs> <laughs> and, we're, and Micah's like, what have we done, David? You know, I was like, well, there's six million people right in front of us, you know. So, but that was part of the excitement, the journey. And no matter how unprepared you feel, um, or how it's not what you want to do, like that Jonah thing. Like, man, that was the biggest revival in the history of the world, I would say. Mm. And, um, and so just coming back here and seeing what the body has done with this place, what the call, the perseverance, mm. consider it joy, that perseverance. And, um, man, so, yeah, I mean, not yeah. too many details, but overall that's now, what it was. I, I just want to say thank you because... Um, faithfulness. Be faithful to Jesus Christ, no matter if it goes completely against your personal vision for life. Be faithful to Jesus Christ. His ways are always better than our ways. That, this was not Jonathan's way. 
uh, this was the Lord's way, and this was not David's way. Uh, this was the Lord's way. And he said, finally, I love what he said, a Jonah spirit. I do not want to go. I do not want to do this. But seeing the faithfulness and saying, I'm going to step into it despite my personal preference, despite my, we loathed the idea of a desert. I even loathed the idea of a desert. But we said yes, and our hearts grew for the people, for the land, for everything that God wanted here. So let me pray for you. Thank you, men. Lord Jesus, thank you for these men. Thank you for their model of faithfulness in serving you. And Lord, the fruit is here today in the room. Thank you for just the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you that you love each and every one of these individuals here, and you're just trying to guide them along the journey. Thank you so much for the gift, Father, that you give us through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. You're the greatest giver of all. We pray that we would join you on our journey uh, individually and corporately, all for your glory and for your story. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Give these guys a big round of applause again, will you? All right. Well, we're in John chapter 8. Thank you so much, Josh. Um, we're in John chapter 8. I want to remind you uh, kind of the, the context. Uh, we're going to look at verses 31 through 36. I've titled this message, Joy in the Journey. Uh, Jesus Christ is uh, very, he's nearing the cross. He joined uh, his family and friends uh, at a festival called the Feast of Booths. It was a celebration of God's deliverance out of the wilderness, looking back in historical history. Um, Jesus uh, uh, enters this festival. He starts preaching and teaching, and then uh, there's controversy that breaks out because there's a lot of people that rejected Jesus Christ. They're like, he is not truly the Messiah. And others were like, no, he truly is the Messiah. And so there's controversy now. And Jesus spent time in the temple. He walks into the temple. He starts preaching and teaching. Some people are buying in. They're like, I, this is him. This is him. Others are absolutely ready to kill him. And uh, this kind of tension exists. And there are what I'm going to call true believers and false believers kind of in the mix. Uh, how many of you would ever say you were like, you called yourself Christian or you called yourself a believer, but the truth be known in that season, that part of your life, you were not truly living for Jesus. Would you raise your hand right now? I'm one of them. There you go. Um, you literally think you're a Christian, but the truth is you're really not. And that is what's happening here in the storyline with Jesus. Verse 31 so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly, help me out, my disciples. What is a disciple? It's a follower of Jesus Christ. What's the condition to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ according to the text? If you, what? Let's say that together. If you abide. What does abide mean? It means to continue. It means to remain. It means you're going to persist means you're going to persevere. It means no matter what happens, you're going to follow after Jesus Christ. The only thing that motivated me to persuade Jonathan over and over and over again, and by the way, the reason why I told him I was 30 minutes out, because if I told him I was four hours out, he would say, go back home. But if I said I was 30 minutes out, he would say, why did you drive down here? And I told him, because I'm coming for you. And then I knew he would tell me, well, I can't make it for lunch today. 
And so I, I was planning in my head, I was just going to say, then fine, I'll just sit here at Sonic until you show up. But he didn't. Um, why did he finally come to the point to say, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I'll tell you why. I knew he was abiding with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I knew in my head, in my heart, Jesus had told me, he's supposed to be with you. He's supposed to be with you. He's supposed to be with you. Just give him some time. If you abide in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're truly a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Uh, verse 32, Jesus tells everybody, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you, what does it say? Free. Free from what? Free from the penalty of sin, free from the power of sin, that if you follow Jesus Christ, you will experience freedom in your life. I thought I was free before I knew Jesus Christ. I lived a licentious lifestyle. I did what I wanted. It was sex, drugs, rock and roll. Freedom. You know what it really was? Bondage, addiction, misery. And that road led to death, not to life. Jesus says this, if you know the truth, the truth's going to set you free. Verse 33, they answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham and never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? They're stuck. They're thinking, you know what? You don't know our heritage. You don't know our pedigree. Uh, we're from Abraham, the father of faith. In other words, they had all the experience, all the pedigree. It's like those of you that say, I'm a Christian. Of course I'm a Christian. I grew up in a Christian home. But going to church or having family as Christians doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is surrendering your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord. They didn't get that part. Jesus answers them. He says this. He starts drilling in. These are not true believers. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, verse 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. They're practicing sin. What is their sin that they're practicing? Unbelief, a rejection of the Messiah. Constantly, repeatedly, they're rejecting Jesus, not receiving him. Probably a lot of other sins. Remember, the woman had just been caught in adultery probably that morning. He wrote down in the dirt, probably exposing their sin. Verse 35, he says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. What's he talking about? Uh, the slave does not remain in the house. Under that uh, context and time, it was pretty common that there would be slaves uh, also, also called bond servants or doulos would be the Greek word. They would live in a home for about seven years and then they could buy their freedom. Um, the New Testament idea of slavery is not what you know in the 18th, 19th century in American history. Not at all. Um, slaves were entrusted and given responsibility. They had every right to be able to buy out their freedom and all that. It was a way, and I don't know if you've ever been to Mexico or not, but if you've been to Mexico, it's not too uncommon if you're of wealth that you have people living in your home and they are doing very uh, remedial tasks or responsibilities. They're not slaves, but there's like a quarters for them oftentimes. When there's immense poverty and, or perhaps oppression, uh, wealthier people help out and give them jobs. Um, Jesus is implying right here that if you're a practicing sin, you're like a slave, you're stuck, you can't get out. But then he says in the house forever, but the son remains forever. The son's the one who will uh, stay there. If you're a son in that culture and context, you have every right that the father has. You have every right of the family. 
Verse 36, and Jesus says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free, what? Indeed. There's seven lessons from the Lord for the journey. Uh, Here's a call to action for the next 10 years of North Valley. Number one, I would say you and I need to continue to grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ and one another. Abiding in a relationship with Jesus Christ is the call and the command for you and me. Abide, abide, abide. What does abide mean? It means to continue, it means to remain. Some of you have been going away a long time, like my brother said uh, during communion. He said, you know, maybe today's a day where you just remember and you return. It's like you hadn't seen your friend in a long time. It's like you need to renew that love and that commitment to Jesus Christ. Um, Continue to grow with Jesus and with one another. Uh, John, Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan said, uh, you know, Pastor Ryan was persistent. He was persistent. He was persistent. I think the theological category is called perseverance. I'm just going to keep going. As a Christian, you need to continue to grow wherever you started in your faith. You need to be progressing forward. If you've moved back, it's time to move forward. You continue to grow. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, your journey begins. Salvation, when you pray to receive Jesus Christ, it's like an an incredible journey, but there's salvation and then there's sanctification. And the sanctification process is a process of growing in holiness. Continue to grow with Jesus and one another. Jesus said, if you're truly my disciples, you will abide. Jesus said in John chapter 15, abide in me and remain in me and you will bear much, help me out, fruit. Abiding is a secret to the relationship uh, of the Christian life. There is joy in the journey if you abide. Who else abided in a relationship with God despite hard times? How about Job? Remember the story of Job? The guy was healthy, wealthy, and wise, had everything, and God permitted and planned suffering in his life. Loses everything. Loses his business, loses his family. People say, Job, God's favor is not on you. And you know what Job says? I'm going to continue to serve the Lord. He says, uh, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but help me out. Blessed be the name of the... I had a friend in college. Katie was her name. My, one of my best buddies married her. She was a beautiful, wonderful, nice Christian girl. I never knew really nice, wonderful Christian girls. I was so happy for my buddy to get married. Uh, she was killed in a terrible car accident. She had the wedding dress in the back of her Jeep. And I got news and I'm mowing the yard down in Waco, Texas, and I hear news about Katie's dead on I-30. Man, I, I, I never hit the ground so hard because I'm a new Christian and all of a sudden people are dying and people that love and serve Jesus. We did the funeral back in Little Rock, Arkansas. There was a couple thousand people there and the grandfather stood up and he says this. He says, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away but always blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't know if you have the staying power to keep it up or not, but if you don't, you're probably not a true believer. You say to me, holy smokes, that's mean. 1 John 2, 19 says, they went out from us. They were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. 
When you're a believer in Jesus Christ and he starts working in your life, you just don't stop, ladies and gentlemen. You just keep going. You're far more than the Energizer Bunny. You're the power of the Holy Spirit amping and amplifying, energizing, giving you not natural power, supernatural power, but lean into that. Number two, I'd say be full of grace and truth. Might we do that? Be full of grace and full of truth. This is what's mentioned in John chapter 1, verse 14 about Jesus Christ. And for the church today, Christians today, man, we were amped up about truth because there's so many lies, right? And the frustration is for all of us is there's so many lies going on in the educational system and the political system. There's so many lies. So what do we do? We can amp up on truth. That's good. We should. But don't ever forget grace. The Pharisees were the smartest people around. And even all the opposition that we face in today's time, it's actually from a very educated group. They're Folks have got PhDs, and it's still not making sense. Logic is out the door. We live in a post-truth culture. What will it take for North Valley to continue to thrive? Be full of grace and truth. Amen? Jesus was full of grace when he called his disciples. He called ordinary people and turned them into extraordinary movers and shakers in John chapter 1. In chapter 2, he shows up at a wedding and he makes the place wonderful. When they run out of wine, he graciously performs the first miracle. And, and John, uh, continuing on in John, uh, he cleanses the temple. Uh, he demonstrates his truth. In chapter 3, he graciously accepts an invitation from Nicodemus, this Pharisee who was a very scholarly individual and shares and shows the love of Christ to him, tells Nicodemus, uh, who need, needs to be born again. In John chapter 4, he meets the woman at the well, goes out of his way to meet a woman who had been living in sin, multiple husbands, and he ministers to her. In John chapter 5, he graciously heals a man who'd been sick from birth. Continuing on in uh, John chapter 6, he feeds the multitude. He tells them, he says, I'm the bread of life after he feeds them. In John chapter 7, he attends the festival, the Feast of Booth. In John chapter 8, there's a woman who's caught in adultery and he saves her life. Full of grace, full of truth. That's our model. Be gracious with your spouse. Be gracious with other Christians. Be gracious with the world around you. Be truthful, but always be filled with grace. Amen? Number three, be humble, not prideful. God hates pride. It's on his, he just hates it. You think too much of yourself, you're in trouble. You think too much of our church, you're in trouble. The bad guys in the New Testament are the most prideful people. The bad guys were actually the most educated people. The Jewish scholars. Thinking they know everything. Don't be that guy. Not for us. Be incredibly humble. You know what the Bible promises? He says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I want God's grace here. I'm a truth preacher and teacher. I love to preach the truth. I feel like God's called me to that. We're going to continue to do that at this church. But if I'm not filled up with God's grace, then we're all in trouble. Because it's real easy to build an army of truth tellers 
This was the problem in the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther preached about the truth of Scripture and the truth that there was a priesthood of all believers. And then there became the zealots, and then came the holy wars. A bunch of people amped up on truth with very little grace. Number four, don't, make, don't ever make a practice of sin. Don't ever make a practice of sin. 1 John 3, 9, I don't have the passage, but listen to it just for a moment. John, the same guy who wrote the Gospel of John, wrote another letter called 1 John. And he says this, listen, he says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Listen, no one born of God ever makes a practice of sinning, for God abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. At this church, my greatest concern for sin for this generation would be sexual sins, practicing sexual sins. I want to read you just research just so you can hear me on this. And in approaching the subject, it's a, sub, it's a, it's a position that we ought to take with grace and truth. Um, sexual sins or cohabitation, that means you're living together. It means you're just sleeping together and you're short cycling the blessing and the favor and the joy of marriage, sex intended for marriage alone. That's it in the Bible. That's it. Sexual sins, there's cohabitation. The Bible calls that fornication. If you're viewing lots of pornography and you're practicing it, you're addicted to it. The Bible calls that adultery, actually. If you're married, that's adultery. That's what Jesus says. You're lusting after another person, that's adultery. Don't make a practice of sinning. Some of us fall into alcoholism or addiction or whatever be the case, or I'm a, you're blowing your temper. Don't make a practice of sinning. Um, right now in American church, it's a grace movement. Everybody will tell you what they are for, but nobody wants to tell you what they are against. We are against sin. Amen? Uh, but good news is, is Jesus takes care of our sin. That's great news. Everybody sins. We sin. I sin. You sin. We all sin. Don't make a practice of it, though. There's same-sex relationship. Generation Z from ages 10 to 25, 20% of that generation thinks it's completely fine to have same-sex relationships. That's more than double of millennials. Millennials ages 26 to 41, 10, about 10% of them saying, okay, same-sex relationships are okay. Uh, Generation X, my generation, a little bit stronger on the truth, mentored perhaps by the baby boomers, only 4.2% would say, yeah, same-sex relationships are fine. Boomers, you guys are the most conservative here. Uh, Your mom and dad raised you right when it comes to sexual ethics. Boomers, 58 to 76 years old, only about 3% would say same-sex relationships are right. Um, We're in a a shift in American culture. It's a breakdown of the family, ladies and gentlemen. It's a breakdown of the celebration of biblical masculinity and biblical femininity. And we should celebrate the differences, not try to blur them. But sexual sin is sexual sin. So don't, my encouragement is don't ever make a practice of sin. Parents, parent your kids. Shepherd your kids. Grandparents, parent and shepherd your grandkids. Do it in the name of grace and truth. Amen? 
you be an example. You don't have to burn people up with your anger towards evil or wrongdoing, but you can show and share the love of Jesus Christ in the midst of it. Don't ever make a practice of sinning. Holiness movement is kind of outdated in American culture, and that's a shame. We want to be changed. We want to grow in holiness. Number five, I'd say experience God's freedom. I used to drink a lot. I did drugs a lot. I had a lot of immoral relationships. I was prom king. I didn't do well in education because I was basically uh, in high school because I was in trouble. Um, I ended up getting my academic act together towards the very end because my dad told me I was going to be a deadbeat and didn't have a future at all. It was no spiritual talk. It was just a life talk. Like, what do you want to do in life? I'm like, I want to be a businessman and make a lot of money. He's like, he, he's like, he's, as a Christian dad, he's like, I'll just take that. Okay, how are you going to do that? I said, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to go to college. And he's like, how are you going to do that? You, your grades are so bad. How about you just try? That was it. Try. So I tried. And at the end of my academic endeavor, I actually did pretty well graduating high school. And I got to the end of it and I found out I was still empty. Still empty. And I was like, something's wrong. I thought I was supposed to be happy. Still empty. I made a... I was in bondage to sin. I was in bondage to the power of sin, and I was not going to experience freedom. I had friends that started coming to know uh, Jesus Christ, and they were talking about freedom that they experienced, and joy, and peace, and freedom from the temptation of drugs and alcohol, and all these things, and I wanted that. The Bible tells us that we can experience freedom if we know the truth, and we experience the truth. I want to encourage you to experience God's freedom in your life. Freedom is a wonderful thing. This country, we should acknowledge that we have a wonderful parts about our country that celebrate all sorts of personal freedoms, perhaps more than any other country in the world. We have these freedoms in place, but even with our freedoms, ladies and gentlemen, there's still rules and restrictions. We still have police officers. We still have a stop sign. We still have a red light, and you can't just get in your car and drive around and experience the freedom of the road without respecting the rules. You decide in your freedom to run through a red light, you might just kill somebody. You can't just run a stop sign. There's rules and regulations. Here's my point. My point is, is the call to holiness might feel like a rule, but it's designed so that you can experience freedom. Everything that God says no about, he's saying, even though you've got to say no to this, there's something bigger and better and more wonderful over here if you just trust me in that. Does that make sense? So everything God's calling you away from, he's calling you to something that's always better. Number six, I'd say let's share and show the love of Christ. Next week, I'm going to share with you more about what the next 10 years looks like, things that God's been placing on my heart and I've been talking to our team and our elders about. But I'm deeply compelled that this is only the beginning. I think the first 10 years was just the startup phase. I think the second 10 years ought to be the build-up phase of ministries and missions and every single one of you that say, I want to be a part of this church, the best is yet to come. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. I believe God's called 
me and, and a wonderful group of people to keep sharing and showing the love of Jesus Christ. I believe that we are going to change and are changing part of the cultural, spiritual ethos of the North Valley. It's a beautiful thing. We're going to do things different. Share and show the love of Jesus Christ. Share, open your mouth, and tell people about the impact Jesus is making in your life. Share with other people about how you're experiencing God's goodness and His grace in your life. Share how hard it is to be a Christian, but thankful that the Lord is good in the midst of your challenge and your suffering. Show them by doing something. Go on a mission trip. Tell everybody you decided not to go on a ski trip this year on your spring break, but you decided to go to Mexico and build a home for a family that was in need. Tell them that. Show them. Uh, today, we're able to send down a bunch of money from our hope offering. Hurricane Ian hit pretty hard. I talked to one of my pastor buddies down in Florida, and he said, I said, do you guys need financial aid? He said, our church is okay, but we've got lots of friends and family extended in the area. They've lost everything. I said, we're sending money. As Christians, we need to share and show the love of Christ. Number seven, be faithful to participate and contribute financially. This is hard. I think the two greatest marks of Christian maturity are number six and number seven. You need to share your faith with Jesus Christ because sharing your faith with Jesus Christ will get you in trouble today. Number two, give your money. Why? Because money's an evil master, that's why. Money can be used for a great deal of good, but money is like this powerful thing and possessions of materialism and our idol. In American culture, as much materialism, nice car, nice house, you know. And so the story uh, that I remember uh, most uh, that's fresh on my mind for us is just we're like the rich young ruler. That guy had his life figured out, very smart, comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, you know what you need to do? You're rich, you're influential, business leader, very smart. Here's what you do to experience eternal life. You need to go sell everything you have, everything, and give to the poor. What was he doing? Does Christianity advocate a poverty theology that you need to become a monk and have no material possessions? No, not necessarily. Does it advocate the idea of prosperity theology that if you're a Christian, you're going to be healthy, rich, and wise? No, it's, it doesn't. So what was Jesus doing? You know what he was doing? That young man, you know what his idol was? Do you know what the one thing that was keeping him away from Jesus Christ? It was money. And so Jesus says, trade that out. You give that away. You crush your idol and you come follow me. I want to challenge us in the future that we just be faithful. All I'm saying is just be faithful. God is faithful to contribute and to participate together in that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I pray that we would uh, be faithful. We'd be faithful to share and show the love of Jesus Christ. We'd be faithful to give and move many of us to start tithing. It's a test, and I've already heard testimonies, Lord, of people saying, man, it's been so cool seeing how God rewards my faithfulness. So, Lord, I pray for our church in the days ahead. I pray for each and every person here that they'd trust you. They'd experience your freedom, Lord, where there's bondage or addiction. Break that in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would rise up in everybody here today 
the fruit of self-control and they wouldn't practice sin anymore because you're bigger than sin, Lord. I pray that we'd be humble, not prideful people. I pray, Father, that we'd be full of your grace, love people, every person, no matter where they're at, and yet be truthful. I pray, Father, overall, that we might just continue to remain and grow in a relationship with you and each other. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org. Thanks and have a great day.